Listener Production. and Linda Mariano's Dream Club. Welcome to Brooke and Linda's Dream Club, where each week we crack open the most important stories in culture and fry them up nice and crispy <laughs> with a few of our own thoughts. It's been a big week in entertainment. We're going to talk to you about Billie Eilish and that beautiful Vogue shoot she did. We're also going to dissect RuPaul's Drag Race. It is down under, baby. Crispy as. And we're going to talk about the greatest movie ever made. No, not Citizen Kane. It's Paddington 2. So last week we were asking for stories about a different kind of culture, maybe the sort of culture that lives in your tummy. And (laughs) it's pretty gross, but basically we want content warning. (laughs) A real content warning, because last week we were asking people for poo stories. God knows why. Uh, But here we are, Lindy. (laughs) This This is content we've dreamed of. I think this was the goals that I've set for myself (laughs) and we've nailed it. I think it was specifically about pooing in a pool, mm. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did we get any? We sure did. We sure did. Listen to Haley's story. Okay, I'm setting the scene for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need to close your eyes because this is very special. There's a lot of visuals in this. <laughs> okay, I'm going to close my eyes. Close your eyes. Haley says, So I'm nine. There was a pool in the apartment we were living in at the time. We only just arrived at the pool upstairs and I'm getting that tummy churning I need to poo vibe. (laughs) There are no toilets except the ones in your own apartment, which is a very long walk downstairs. I asked Dad, Dad, I need to go to the toilet. Please, can I go back downstairs? (laughs) He says, no, we only just got here. You should have gone before we left. Love the detail here, Hayley. So I think it's cool. I'm nine. I'm strong. I'll hold it for a bit and ask later. It'll be fine. It was not fine. (laughs) Wait, no, like this. It was not fine. Like, I feel like there's a narrator that comes in over the top. (laughs) It was not fine. Things were not fine. I'm in the spa at this point. The tummy churning is next level. (laughs) All of a sudden, it just comes out. I did not push my undies to the side. I did not do anything. It just popped right out. And needless to say, it's in a spa with the bubbles on. I'll let your imagination do the rest. A truly haunting moment in my childhood. The shame and embarrassment I feel when my family start to whip out the funny stories at parties. Tell me I'm not the only one. Oh, Haley. <laughs> Haley, Haley, Haley. I don't know what to say. I, I know that this is like a little bit... Um, Perhaps a little too graphic, but I would like to know, mm. like, if it was like a solid child poo, it would just like float to the top, and then it would just be like a pebble in, like a, I don't know, like a bingo machine. But <laughs> if not, then the whole water is just poo, right? Oh, so you're asking oh. whether it's runny or hard? Yeah, I know. I, I feel reckon, gross too. I reckon I know what it is. What? I've got a hand up, Miss Boney. Yeah. I think that it's hard because I feel like all kids' poo is hard. They're all like little pebbles unless it's diarrhea. It's hard. Because kids. I feel like kids don't eat that much fibre, so it's going to be hard. It's okay. going to be a little hard thing. All right, Hayley. It just popped right. And also the words of it just popped right out makes me think makes, yeah. it just popped right out. Yep. <laughs> so gross. I all feel right. gross. All I feel right. gross. All Let's right. get into it. Dream Club. 
Let's talk about Billie Eilish. She has broken the internet again for all of the right reasons. So first of all, I want to say that her revealing her brand new hair just a few oh. weeks ago has now become in history the fastest photo to get 1 million likes on Instagram. It did this in less than six, six minutes. minutes. Six minutes. And now I counted all of the likes this morning. There's almost 23 million likes That's on that photo. That's the entire population of Australia. Isn't that wild? That's so crazy. So that was Billie Eilish revealing that she's gone from the trademark Billie kind of doe-eyed, goth, green and black gradient of hair to this bombshell blonde. blonde fringe with wispy sides, looking like a timeless rock star. Like mm. just so beautiful. Made me want to get a fringe, if I'm being honest. It made me want to go blonde, if I'm <laughs> being honest, which my mum has banned me from ever doing. Um, well, do you know what? They're not the boss of us anymore. <laughs> Let's. Go. I'm going to get a fringe. You dye your hair blonde. Who cares? We're adults. And we'll show them. And then what happened this week is Billie Eilish has revealed an entire beautiful transformation, which we are all allowed to do. She says change is a gift and she has jumped into a Vogue shoot, which is stunning. So let me describe it for you. She's wearing like a beautiful nude beigey coloured corset um, that's a little bit see-through. So you can actually see that she's got a huge tattoo from like her upper thigh across the lower part of her tummy underneath her belly button. And they're just sexy and hot and they're so saucy, which is such a huge contrast to the Billie Eilish that we've seen in the past where she's wearing baggy clothes. She doesn't like wearing revealing things. Um, I think that this is her stepping into her femininity, making choices about her own body and how she wants the world to see her. And I love it. I am so here for it. There were a lot of people, though, who said it was a bit of a contradiction um, to what she'd shown us in the past. shut up. (laughs) Do you know, read us one of the comments. Do we have any of the comments there? If you're about body positivity, why would you wear a corset? Why wouldn't you show your actual body? To this, Billie Eilish raises her eyebrows the thing is that I can do whatever I want. It's, a, it's about what makes you feel good. If you want to get surgery, go get surgery. If you want to wear a dress that somebody thinks you look too big wearing, effort. If you feel like you look good, you look good. I love this so much because I think it speaks to the way that people see us rather than Mm. the way that we see ourselves. And I'm so sick of women being stereotyped and being put into pigeonholes or boxes about what their identity can be. Men are allowed to be so many things. Men are allowed to be complicated and complex. But, you know, typically women, we have to sell ourselves as either like the sexy one or the cute one or the innocent one. Yeah. You, you can't be like more than one thing at once. Like that doesn't match up to reality. She makes some really important points, exactly as you said, about imagery, about the fact that you can be three-dimensional. She throws shade and says, you know, this line in this one of the biggest songs going around right now, you can't make a wife out of a hoe. And she says, well, F that. We can do whatever we want. We can own these things. And I just, I love the irony that she's taken something that's restrictive traditionally, the corsets, and turn them into something that is freeing. Let's turn it around and be empowered in that showing your body and showing your skin or not should not take any respect away from you. Quoting Billy. Oh, let's finish her there. The first episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under has finally hit Stan 
Uh, after 13 seasons, they've been all around the world. There's a UK version. There's a Canadian version. They finally decided to come down here and test out the Kiwi and Aussie queens. And um, it was all filmed in New Zealand during um, the pandemic. So it's pretty incredible effort mm. from the team. Like massive props to them because I can't imagine the logistical nightmare that that would have been. And uh, so we watched the first episode. And I have to say, Lindy, I've come to this with a completely clean slate. I don't know anything about Drag Race. Um, I didn't know anything about the competition. I didn't know anything about the show. And um, I, I, there were moments when I cried this episode. We do love a cry. We say that every episode. We love watching something that's going to bring us to tears. And I've had uh, two of those this week, actually. Oh, the oh next we're going we'll to get to the to next later. one. Okay. Oh, great. Forward sell, Brooke hey, Boney. Hey, hey. Keep listening. I've watched all of the seasons to date, so all 13 seasons. I've watched a couple of the spin-offs as well. I am very <laughs> well aware of the RuPaul legacy and the 19 Emmy wins for this incredible reality show, competition which started in the US by the best drag queen in the world, an icon, a pioneer RuPaul. And so I watched the episode with a lot of weight behind it. So I'd love to know what you thought of it. Do you know what my first impression was? Massive spoiler alert. Like if you haven't watched the episode, press pause right now, go and watch it on Stan and then come straight back to us and listen to what we're about to say. You come straight back here. Okay, welcome back. I assumed that you just went and did what we told you to (laughs) do. Um, I thought it was very bitchy and I, I don't like when they be mean to each other. I thought that opening scene where they're all sort of meeting each other for the first time, it sort of reminded me of some sort of weird high school dynamics where people are trying to figure out who the alpha is and, and how they should treat each other and where everyone fits in. Is that what the other seasons are like as well or is that an Australian Kiwi queen trait? I admit the dynamic in the first episodes of any of the seasons, always have that intense energy because if you've never seen the show, it's a reality show where they are crowning one drag queen the next big drag queen superstar. It's like huge personalities in the one room, everybody's scoping each other out. And always within that, say, kind of 20 drag queens or so, or maybe a little bit less, there's always a couple that are doing the classic to camera behind the scenes. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to win the competition. But I agree. In this opening episode where you had amazing queens from New Zealand and Australia, it didn't feel like it set off with camaraderie and a couple of queens throwing shade. It Mm. felt very, very spicy, very competitive between them from the get-go. It felt a little bit chaotic in that dynamic. I still loved it. Yeah, and, same. And I look forward to something that happens generally in all the seasons, which is that the people that start out really strong and really bitchy end up breaking those walls down and you find out what makes them a bit insecure. You find out what makes them a bit oh, vulnerable okay. and that's the trajectory that I'm waiting for. So I just feel like there's a few several of those characters <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. in this season. There's a lot of hardness, but then you crack through the... Crunchy outer shell and there's all soft, gooey caramel on the inside. But I do have to say um, the highlight, the absolute highlight for me and um, uh, one of the times when my eyes really welled up was when Jojo Zaho, which is a great name, by the way. (laughs) Do you know, it actually took me a couple of times to get the pun of it. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't until RuPaul sent, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, Jojo's a ho home. <laughs> <laughs> that I actually understood what the name meant. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Lee. 
windy. I know. I love when, like, occasionally, because you're such a smart woman, but then occasionally there are things that you just don't get straight away. And it is the most adorable thing. I love it. I love Stop it so it. much. Anyway, but you anyway, were about to tell us a touching she, moment. She's like doing the runway thing, challenge. Is that what it's called? The runway challenge? Yeah. And, um, she's, the maxi challenge. The maxi challenge. Thank you, um, our wonderful producer, Tate. And she's walking back and then she lifts up her skirt and um, there's like a protest banner that says, always was, always will be. And I... <laughs> burst into tears because it was so like I know it's just like a silly show and it shouldn't matter but like I was just thinking about like all of these people around the world watching it and knowing that you know this part of our history is important and that you know this is such a strong part of our identity as Australians you know that that includes Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and I was thinking about how Jojo would have been so proud to like represent and you're right it is important and it's not a silly show. It's a very important show to so many people and the panel of judges is ripe as well. So RuPaul, of course, is the big Mama Ru judge. Michelle Visage is there. She's the icon and comedian Reese Nicholson. And, in fact, we are joined by Reese Nicholson right now to talk about Drag Race. Hi and welcome. Yay. Yay. Hi. I can't. Thanks for having believe me. Believe it. You're flying the flag for us. That's so much pressure. This is And very there's so exciting. many flags attached to it. It's very heavy. It's a there's, heavy pole to carry. There's so many flags. Reese, uh, we want to start by talking about what this show means to you. How mm-hmm. much of a huge fan of RuPaul's Drag Race were you going into this? Oh, my God. Like, uh, uh, like pretty obsessed. But... In the same way that I also, like, I've always loved drag. And so I think it's, like, the thing that just kind of leads into it. Like, I, when I was a little kid, I have that classic story of... Is this a classic story? Um, uh, when I, I'd seen Priscilla when I was probably too young to see it. Mm. I think my mum might have fast-forwarded through any kind of ping-pong business. Uh, but You no, rewound. Just, you rewound. You still like see you it. You can pause. You still see it. It's just faster. Um, uh, but I, I remember asking, or I, I have been told, I asked my mum, like, what is this? And she's like, this is a drag queen. And to me, that kind of meant, oh, this is a person who can be anything. Like, is in, because they, they swap genders throughout the, like, to a little kid, that's like a pretty bonkers thing to try and get your head around. Mm. Um, and we were at a dinner party and you know, people always ask little kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said very confidently, apparently, like, a drag queen. And oh. it was a bit kind of like record straight um, Mid-90s, uh, great time to want to be a drag queen when you're eight. You know, Reese, I just love hearing that story because for so many um, men uh, or people your age or our age, um, you know, the, growing up watching television would have been like seeing things like Priscilla and seeing the violence that's in that yeah. as well. And that is your experience of um, of like queerness Freedom. and yeah. yeah. And so now fast forward um, a couple of decades later, young people get to walk, go, grow up watching this, watching you. It's so wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and I, and I also think like it's not lost on me that like RuPaul is kind of part of that in a way. Like, you know, the the more you look into what RuPaul did in like the 90s, mm-hmm. like the, especially the early 90s, is like if you look at clips on YouTube, RuPaul is on like VH1 Awards, had a, v, had a VH1 show, is like a six-foot-something man of colour dressed as a beautiful young woman. 
and that cut through in that pretty problematic time to be doing that mm. and like and then now to have kind of years later created this thing. It yes. brings in fascinating discussions and I think positive discussions about inclusivity and diversity and the yeah. legacy that RuPaul has not only as one of the most hardworking people in show business after all of these mm-hmm. years, after coming up through the streets of New York and making a name for herself and then having a show like this, but... Tell us what it's been like being in the room with Mama Ru. Oh my god, and Michelle as well. Like the yeah, more like these Michelle icons. was showing me on her phone once. Like you know, you watch movies like Paris is Burning or like that kind of you know the original ballroom scene kind of era of of um, queerdom. Michelle is there. There's pictures of like very famous moments in queer wow. history that Michelle's just standing there waving, <laughs> as, like, and she's there Gump. accidentally. It's she's like, like a seventeen year old. So good, exactly. Yeah, like, and there's, and you know, they've known each other for thirty years. And I was kind of worried that going into this, you know, they've been doing this job, this particular show for like thirteen years now, and it's their thing. And I'm like the little add-on. I'm just a little cog. And I was very aware going into it, like I'll just let them but they were so like welcoming. And then suddenly we're like, it was the three of us. Like we just sit there eating chocolate at the desk when the Queens weren't there. Stop like, it. Like gossiping. Stop it. And every now and then, and you guys would have this as well, when you meet a very famous person, sometimes they're kind of scary and you're like, I won't ask you any questions about where you've been or what your life has been like because you don't want to talk about that probably. RuPaul, and not in a very like showy way or kind of like gloaty way, is so happy to talk about like mm. just very giving of things, mm. right? You'd be like, so when you did Wigstock in 1994 and <laughs> then you wore this thing and you were like, because I am so like obsessed with drag and the show, he's just like a Wikipedia. He's also like obsessed with music. He's like funny. This is what I keep like saying in interviews, how funny he is. Because I think we get this on the show, this kind of ethereal Rue. And then you occasionally kind of see this funniness kind of creep through. He's like one of the silliest people I've ever met in my entire life. Like really like weird funny. Is obsessed with Monty Python, is obsessed with like Auntie Donna, obsessed with like the sketch, the Australian sketch troupe, obsessed with Auntie Donna. To the point where I got the Donna boys to give me some merch so I could give it to it. Like, he's obsessed with it. We are very excited to watch the entire season unfold of RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. Look, we have, we've gone this whole interview without even pushing you for any spoilers because we just want to watch it and grab onto every episode as it comes out. Reese, it's been such a pleasure. Dream job, man. Oh. Dream. Oh, I'm a, I still don't believe that it happened and I've already done it. Um, but yeah, please watch it. I'm very, I think the main thing I just want to get across is like how proud, how proud the girls do us. They really, like, it really is such a, we do such a particular thing in Australia and they really like are going to catapult it around. So I'm very excited for people to watch it. Just representing Sheila's, you know, just getting out there, getting it done. And Linda Mariano, the Dream Club. Brookie, I think it's time that we embrace a little bit more film talk. We love the movies. We love the culture. <laughs> the cinema. We love the cinema. Have you uh, ever noticed that people from Adelaide say cinema? No. Okay, notice it next time. If you're from Adelaide, send us a voice clip. I want to hear cinema. Well, 
I don't know when the last time you went to the cinema is, but I went last <laughs> night in my bed because I watched Paddington 2, a.k.a. now touted as the greatest film of all time, according to film critics. Dear Aunt Lucy, life in London has been better than ever. If you had one wish tonight, what would it be? I'd like to get my Aunt Lucy a birthday present. Aww. An old pop-up book of London. The only problem is it's rather expensive. <laughs> Stop! Freeze! Cheerio. Hold it right there. We're rich again. So did you see this story that's been rolling around, which is basically Rotten Tomatoes, which if you are a little film lover and you get a little bit weird before clicking play on a film so you Google it and there's often a review thing that comes up on the side and it'll say the IMDB rating, it'll give you the Wikipedia page and it'll give you a percentage on Rotten Tomatoes. And I often judge films by looking at that percentage. Mm. Mm. Clearly the higher the percentage, the more well-regarded the film is. So what Rotten Tomatoes does is it takes all of these acclaimed film reviews puts it into their system and it spits out an average score. So Yeah, so it sort of aggregates all of the reviews, does all of the legwork so you don't have to. And so something happened this week, though, that put Paddington 2 at the top, and that is that they included a review of Citizen Kane, the classic film, um, from like the 1940s or something, wasn't it? Yeah. And it dragged the average down slightly. And so that put Paddington 2 as the greatest film of all time, according to the internet and according to all of these aggregated ratings. I'd actually seen a bunch of like references to Paddington 2. I don't know if you follow that Instagram account, um, Beam Me Up Soft Boy, but it's hilarious and you should definitely check it out. They reference Paddington 2 all the time, like a bunch of times. And I was like, why is everyone talking about this? And then this week, we're given the gift of knowing that it's the greatest film. <laughs> the greatest film of all so time. So we watched it. Yes. So it's one of the only films in history to get 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. There's a couple of films. Citizen Kane has just been knocked down because its average rating has just gone down. Singing in the Rain has 100%. Paddington 2 now has 100%. And Brooke and I watched it last night and, oh boy, was it the mood that I needed. Boy, oh boy. It's so lovely. So it's streaming now on Binge and I have to say, like, you know the What's story... What's your of, review? You know the story of Paddington, right? He's a little bear who lives in London. He um, he got taken away from his family, so he was an orphan and then he went to live with his uncle and auntie who found him. Um, they're like his adopted uncle and auntie, I guess. Anyway, then he gets, like, sent to London to live... And he's living with this beautiful family, the Brown family. He goes on this little journey, does a bunch of stuff. He's super cute. So he's CGI and the rest of the people are live action, just like normal people, right? Mm. Um, like we're live action. <laughs> yeah, I'm live action I'm live right action. Now. Um, never not live action, actually. <laughs> really? <laughs> Come to think of it, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and he just goes on like a bunch of adventures. He tries to do something where he gets his auntie a book, but he couldn't quite get it. And so then, you know, steals back. Anyway, I don't want to ruin it for you because I want you to watch it and mm. I want you to have the same amount of joy that we had. All I want to say about it is that this movie brought me so much joy. The The colour palette, the, the detail on his little face, the dialogue, the scripting, Everything about it, I thought, was perfect. Not a thing I would change, including 
Hugh Grant. I love myself <gasps> an evil old oh Hugh Grant. Oh my gosh, he's so the much villain hotter. character oh is gosh, so just hot. utter perfect. What did you say? He's so hot. You think he's hot in that film? I think he's hot older. Like, you know how he was in The Gentleman and he's yeah. older now and he's like a bit of a bad guy. Yeah. He's not playing like a bumbling sort of young English guy anymore. No, he's playing this amazingly like maleficent character. He's a perfect villain. Okay, here's the million dollar question. So do you think that it is greater than Citizen Kane and do you think that it is worthy of 100% therefore being like a perfect film? I think that it ticked every box that I needed ticking last night. Would I say that it's the greatest movie that I've ever seen or that it moved me to places and made me think differently about the world or myself? Um, may- maybe not. And his little face. Oh, oh my his God. His little face is so I just so want to punch cute. him. He's so cute. There were so many moments in this. And here's what I'll say about it being a perfect film. Again, is it the greatest film of all time for me? Maybe not, but it was a perfect film that made me feel so good because it's a classic you know, move over Shawshank Redemption. There's a new favourite film in town. There's of a new jailbird in town. Yeah, there's a new jailbird in town <laughs> of the wrong man being incarcerated and needing to, needing to clear his name. There was that. Hey, you've seen The Green Mile, now see Paddington 2. It was funny. It was a journey. There was family. There was community. There's marmalade. Oh, my gosh. It was basically a food show at one point and they were showing him making food in the prison. And also, I'm craving marmalade sandwiches. I know, same. I really want And one. I don't even like marmalade. No, I don't I, even know what it tastes but I, like. Really. I, I think that we need to get some marmalade. There were, like, I reckon four to five moments where I laughed out loud even though I was watching the movie by myself. Yep. I was actually having a little stretch on the ground while I was watching it. Oh Do you ever God, do so that? Was I. Do you? Yeah. Did you have your yoga mat out? Yeah. Yes. I have my, my yoga <laughs> mat next to my I'll bed. I'll show you a photo. I'll show you no, a photo of mine. <laughs> myself stretching watching. <laughs> <laughs> so our high recommendation for this week is have if you want to feel good, have a stretch, watch Paddington 2. Enjoy. Dream Club. Holding your farts if it needs to come out better out than it. Sometimes it's better to be nice than it is to be right. Make yourself some marmalade toast. Marmalade is delicious, even if you hated it as a child, which I did because rind sucks. Grow up. I understand that, but sometimes the texture is a bit weird, and I think that's the same thing that freaks me out about licorice, if I'm being honest. Licorice is delicious. Grow up. <laughs> Let's dream. So, Lindy, it is our favourite time of the week where we get to have a little bit of a DNM, a little bit of a dream club update, and um, really tap into that dreamer's spirit, our subconscious, if you will. <laughs> what are you dreaming about this um, week? Rocky? I'm dreaming about beautiful mothers because um, I was so, so lucky to be able to do, um, I was asked to do this bit of work with Bonds. Um, the Australian like clothing undies manufacturer. <laughs> sound really formal. <laughs> I, I manufacture I your am, underwear. I am a cyborg. I do not understand this emotion you call love. I did a photo shoot with my mum for Mother's Day for Bonds. So they took photos of us in our um, like active wear and like lounge wear, I guess you would say. And then they asked us both um, questions about each other while we were sitting there. 
And it was sort of like one of those scenes out of like when Harry met Sally, you know, at the beginning and at the end, how they um, have the couples sitting next to each other and they ask them the same question and then they answer it. It was like me and my mum sitting there. They were like, what's your favourite thing about your mum? And so then, you know, what's your favourite thing about Brooke? And um, like it was just, it was so lovely. And I don't know if any of you would be comfortable doing that, but sitting down and having that conversation with my mum and hearing what she had to say about me was one of the loveliest moments of my life. And I feel so grateful that I got to have that conversation because normally you don't talk about things like that until someone dies. That's really. everything that's unsaid. That is so beautiful. You should have heard what she was saying. I was like, this is like so sweet. She was like, you know, um, I got, wait, let me think of one of the questions that they asked. It would have been something like... Okay, I've got one to ask you after. Um, okay. Uh, like they said, oh, you know, what do you love about Brooke? And she was like, that she just always is there for her brothers and sisters. She always gives them money if they need it. She always helps out the community. She'll help anyone. And on, like, I feel like crying even now saying it. And then they asked me like, um, what one of the earliest memories of my mum was. And I remember being in primary school and mum getting me to give my school uniform to this girl who was, you know, who didn't have much. I think maybe one of her parents had passed away or there was some sort of situation where she didn't have a lot. And even though we didn't have very much, we still had more than her family. And mum forced me to go and give my school uniform to her. Even though, you know, it's like when you're at school, you're like, I don't want to talk to kids. I don't know. Like, these are my friends. I don't want my friends to see me doing stuff. Like, my mum forcing me to be kind and understanding that you have to help people all the time, like, makes me the thing that she loves about me. It was just... It was wonderful and I recommend that everyone have these conversations with their parents as soon as possible. Yeah, with your parents, with the people that have cared for you, with the people that matter in your life. Mm. Imagine if you and I did it. We'd cry too much. We would. No, I'm already crying, Linda. I can't Did your mum talk about how much she likes the shape of your head? Um, actually, do you know what? She used to always talk about that when we were little. Like, if she, yeah, you, I feel like you and I have just spoken about this. When she um, would be, like, putting my hair up to go to school, um, you know when your mum, like, brushes your hair and it feels like you've had, like, a facelift? It's, like, kids so tight. Do kids facelifts? <laughs> of course they do. Yeah. You can never be too young for a facelift. I always say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and she used to always be like, geez, you've got a great shaped head. <laughs> do you know my mum? Has told has told this story about how she would, when me and my brother were babies, she would roll us to sleep on a different side every hour. So you'd sleep on your back, you sleep on one side, then you sleep on your left side. Because she was so obsessed with us having really perfectly round heads. Wait, Look at my head. touch it. I'm going to touch it. Look at my it. head. It's so perfectly it's so round. round. That's the answer. It's Don't so sleep on one side. No, get them. Get, well, I mean, maybe spin you that want baby a round. Flat. <laughs> spin you that baby, spin my that baby round. round. <laughs> I love it. That's so funny, isn't it? Yeah. What What's your Mother's Day mes- message to Janet? My Mother's queen? Day message to Janet, aka my queen, is please let us do something with you. Not only this weekend for Mother's Day, but many weekends, because I have been texting and calling my mum about what she wants to do this Sunday. And every time she'll either avoid my call or say she's too busy or say she has other plans on. Yeah, because she wants to go to salsa. Your kids I suck. know. She, that's Sorry. literally she, she said she has too much on. Her salsa club nights are back on a Saturday night because we can go Sorry. out again. You're so boring. She's, she's like, I don't want to do anything with you or Sam, my brother. <laughs> I'm too busy. Oh, that is so funny. And so very typically Janet, might yeah. I add. I encourage you to have some lovely time this weekend with the mothers or the people that you love. Mm. 
And also a big, big hug to people who don't have their mums around anymore, who people, um, people who grew up without their mums. Um, we're sending you a really big, giant dream club hug because we're all dreamers and we're all in this together and I know that that would be a really hard day for you. Yeah. So sending you lots of love. We'll be back next Wednesday. But until then, join our Dream Club and follow us at the Dream Club podcast on Instagram. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss a single episode. And you know what? Leave us a cheeky review. A cheeky, cracky review. (laughs) Tag us in a pic. Show us where you're listening from. Tell a mate. Tell two. You don't have any more than that. I don't have I more don't, than two. I've only got two friends in there right here. In it's me studio. and you. Yeah. And my mum. My mum. I've my got mom. three. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. A Yeah. Put this on your booty and it'll look real nice. You're welcome. Listener.